Three weeks ago, a man named Robert Smith was giving a speech at a graduation ceremony at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Maybe you know the story already. He was giving this wonderful speech for graduation, and he just casually mentioned about halfway through his speech that he would be paying off the student loans of all of the nearly 400 graduates who were graduating that day. It was pretty amazing. The camera panned to show some of the graduates where the word was starting to settle in, and they looked bewildered and amazed. Those two words appear in our text today, bewildered and amazed. They began high-fiving each other a little bit. And then the camera panned to the parents where they were sitting, and the parents were crying and hugging each other. (laughs) What amazed me the most about this story is that nobody knew The president of the college didn't know, the board of trustees didn't know, the graduates didn't know until it was rolling off the tongue of Robert Smith, this billionaire commencement speaker to these young graduates. It was a surprise. You know, God often operates that way. God surprises us with gifts that change our world. That's what happened on Pentecost that we just heard read for us by Peyton. God came in a surprise, and he gave a gift that would change the world. I want you to look at some of these verses with me. I'll do a little bit of explaining here, but I want you to notice this word suddenly here in the first and second verse. This is Acts chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. They were all gathered together in one place at Pentecost. Let me just explain what's going on here. Pentecost, you hear the word penta in the word Pentecost. It means five. You think of the Pentagon. Pentecost happened 50 days after the previous festival of God's people, which was the Passover festival. The Jewish word for this is Shavuot. And it was a springtime harvest festival. The reason I bring all this up is the context is important. There were people from all over the known world in Jerusalem for Pentecost, for Shavuot, to bring their spring grain harvest to the temple in worship. That's why there's so many people gathered in this story. And this word suddenly stands out to me. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Here are a number of people, Jews and Jews who had converted to Christianity already. They're gathered in this place called Jerusalem and suddenly this surprise comes from heaven. And God's presence manifests in two different ways. There's two different manifestations of God's power and presence here. A mighty rushing wind and tongues of flame. What's God telling us with these manifestations? He could have come in any form. A mighty rushing wind. When I hear that phrase, a mighty rushing wind, I I immediately think back to October 2012 when Hurricane Sandy came and hit this town in this area. I'll probably never forget the sound of that mighty rushing wind. I had the family all gathered in the parsonage around the bend where we were living, in hopefully the safest part of the house. 
my son Riley was only four years old at the time, and I remember Riley and I looking out the back window because the wind was so strong, I was concerned about some of the trees there next to the old chapel. And I'll never forget his big brown eyes suddenly growing wider when we saw a huge tree just snap under the power of the mighty rushing wind. What is God showing us by manifesting in a mighty rushing wind? He's showing us his power. This uncontrollable, untamable force, like a hurricane wind, suddenly comes rushing into the place where all the believers were gathered. Not only that, there are tongues of flame, there are tongues of fire. When I think of that, you know, it's funny, I, I think of the, um, the old Sunday school drawings I used to see when I was a kid of Pentecost Sunday with these little tiny tongues of flame above people's heads. And everything looks very orderly, everything looks very neat and in control with these little tongues of, of flame. I mean, the mighty rushing wind has just swept through the place. I bet stuff was blown all over the place. And now there's a fire in the building. Everything speaks to something being out of control, beyond our power. A mighty rushing wind, a wildfire. God is showing us that he would bring his power, which is beyond our ability to contain and to control. He's doing something in this world. He's surprising the world by bringing these manifestations of his power. Now, normally, when I think of mighty rushing wind, I picture a tree snapping. When I picture flames going out of control, I picture a wildfire. I picture destruction. Mighty rushing wind and flame. Did God come on Pentecost to destroy? Is that what he's saying? No, he would come in his power not to destroy, but to distribute his grace. That's how God was using his power on Pentecost and how he uses it now. It seems uncontrollable. It seems untamable. It seems like it might be destructive because we can't box it in. But God is saying, I'm not coming to destroy, but to distribute my grace. And that's why Peter was inspired to remember the prophecy from Joel. Did you pick up on those words, this prophecy from Joel? Let's read them again, verses 17 and 18. I want to show you just how graceful, how gracious God is being by distributing his power in this way. Let's be reminded of what Joel said. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. This is a picture of God's grace. It's hard for me to explain how things worked in the ancient world, but people had this hierarchical view of who was important in society, who got words from God, who got access to power, and it was usually the man. The hegemonic power of society was the man. And hundreds of years before Pentecost ever happened, Joel made this prophecy where he said there will be a time when God will pour out his power, he'll pour out his spirit, not just to the men in power, but to women and children. And then in verse 18, 
Even on my male servants and female servants, I will pour out my spirit and my power. This would have sounded absurd to people in the ancient world. That God's presence and power would be distributed not to those at the hegemonic center of society, but even to women. I mean, let's think about this. We think of ourselves as such a progressive society, but even here in America, women couldn't even vote until 1919. 140 years after our nation's founding, we decided, okay, women, you can have a voice in who's going to be in power. How much more so in the ancient world? Women didn't have a voice. They didn't have a standing in society. Certainly children didn't either. That was why it was so controversial when children wanted to approach Jesus. His disciples said, get those little rugrats out of here. And here's this prophecy where God says his power would be distributed to women and children, and then the biggest scandal of all, even servants. What? This would have sounded crazy to them. I was trying to think of a way to explain just how crazy this might have sounded to the ears of the ancient world, and this is what I thought of. What if you went up to somebody, any old person, and you said to them, there's going to come a time when if you want to get around anywhere, you get to ride Air Force One. Anytime you want, just call up Air Force One, you can go. What if, you said that to, what if you said that to the lady mopping the floor in the kitchen of the restaurant you go to? If you went up to her and you said, there's going to come a time when you get to ride Air Force One. You want to go to Florida, you want to go to Canada, you want to go to Australia, just call up Air Force One. You and anybody, everybody gets access to Air Force One. Wouldn't that sound absurd? There's only one person who has access to Air Force One. Even the most powerful business leaders in all the world don't get to ride Air Force One. It's only available to one person, right? The presence of God was viewed that way in the Old Testament. You had the Holy of Holies where God's holy manifest presence existed. And when they were mobile, it would travel in the ark, but it was in one place at one time. And here comes Joel saying that power, that victory-winning power that we bring into battle with us, that power that's exclusive and only one priest a year gets to visit the Holy of Holies, it's going to be available to everybody. Even your female servants will have access to that power. This would have sounded as absurd as anybody being able to ride Air Force One. And yet here it's happening. On Pentecost, suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind comes sweeping through Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit starts landing on men, women, children, Galileans, Judeans, people whose name and location we can hardly even pronounce. Phrygia, Lemphimia, all these places, Mesopotamia. The Holy Spirit is being distributed on everyone. And this section of the text ends with this amazing phrase, verse 21. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. Not just those who deserve it. Not just those in power. But this unleashing, this mighty wind rolling across the land is accessible to everyone. Now, one thing I like to ask when I read texts like this is I like to just kind of do a little thought exercise, and I say to myself, what if this was true? What if this was true, this access to the power of the Holy Spirit? What if Pentecost 
really happened. I want to show you a couple of things in here that will show us it actually did happen. We saw in all these verses, verses 8 through 11, all these different people, all these different places. How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia. Matt, can you throw up that map up on the wall? Here is all those words, all those names and places that are mentioned here at Pentecost. What do you notice? Basically, people from every corner of the known world were there in Jerusalem. Little representations of them. And these tongues of flame, these tongues of fire who rested on the apostles' heads, they were able to speak in the languages of all these places. What were they speaking? What were they saying? They were sharing simply the gospel. They were saying, you're not going to believe this. There's this man. He taught us many things. He died. He died this horrible death at the hand of the Romans. Keep that up, Matt, for the next few minutes. And then, you're not going to believe this part, he rose again from the dead. And we realized some of the things he was saying all along were that he was the Son of God. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And when he went to the cross, when he died that horrible death, he took all of our sins with him, the consequences of our sins. He received the wrath of the Father so that we wouldn't have to. And when he walked out of the grave, he conquered our greatest enemy, death. That's what they were saying in all these languages to all these people who were from all around the known world. Look, Rome up in the upper left corner. You know what happens when word spreads to Rome? It goes to the whole rest of the world. Now, I asked a moment ago, what if this was true? And I just want to show you this really cool thing. A couple years ago, Nancy and I were in Israel with a few of you. And if you haven't been on the trip to Israel with Brian Woodbin, we do have another one coming up about a year from now. You can check the website for more details. It's awesome. It's a great pilgrimage. Please consider going. While Nancy and I were there, we were following Brian. We'd been around, you know, and we kept bumping into other groups from all over the place with their own leaders. And we heard Australian accent, you know, South Africa accent. We heard languages from around the world. We saw this megachurch group from some country in Africa. I can't remember which country it was. They were the nicest people. And it dawned on Nancy one day, we were in Jerusalem, we see all these different languages, all these different tongues, all these different people. And Nancy said, it really happened. Pentecost really happened. The gospel went to the ends of the earth. It went to all these different places. And now look, we're here in Jerusalem and representatives from all those places are on pilgrimage to come back and see where it took place. Pentecost really happened. The gospel went global. You can take that down now, Matt. So not what if it's true, but since it's true, since the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh on Pentecost, and the gospel went to the ends of the earth, since that's true, our next question might be, what would we do in response to that? What's our take home? What's our application? Well, Interestingly, some people who were there that day asked Peter the very same question. Peter stood up and gave this wonderful sermon that I don't have time to preach on this morning. And when the people had heard that, they had seen this amazing manifest power of God and a mighty rushing wind and tongues of 
flame and the gospel being preached to the ends of the earth, they had a question for Peter, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? How do we get this access to the Holy Spirit? How do we get this power? The the answer in verse 38 might have been a bit of a surprise. Peter said to them, repent. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit of a surprise. You might have expected Peter to say, just open up your heart and receive the Holy Spirit. Look for signs and wonders. Look for healing. Look for manifestation. But you know, if that had been his answer, he would have sent us all on a journey that would have maybe looked like chasing after the wind. You see? Peter didn't say, go look for the wind, go chase after the wind, pray that God would bring fire again, healing, signs, wonders. No, he said, repent of your sins. Acknowledge before your maker what your sin patterns are and then turn from those wicked ways. Repent. Confess. Confession is saying, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Repentance is saying, I turn from that wicked way. Is there anybody here who wants access to this world-changing power? You know, I saw so many things online of so many people in reaction to the guy who paid off all the student loans at the graduation. A lot of people were saying things like, boy, I wish I went to that college. (laughs) You know? Don't we all wish that we'd have access to such generosity? Well, here's the good news. You think college debt is crippling? How about the weight of our sins? And God has sent Jesus Christ to give us the best commencement speech ever. Your debt has been paid. And you want access? You know, these students are probably wondering, how how is he going to pay my student loan now? Do I give him my routing number or... What's the access? <laughs> right? What's, our debt's been paid by Jesus. What's our access now to the Holy Spirit power? It's repentance. It's repentance. It's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm full of pride. Or, Lord, I, I've been falling into lust once again. I've cheated on my spouse. I'm looking at pornography. I'm gossiping. I'm lying. Whatever it is, whatever the sin pattern is, may the Holy Spirit reveal it to all of us. And it's going before our Father and saying, thank you for paying the debt for my sin. Now I repent of that. I turn from it. I turn away from my wicked ways. And I turn towards you now. I want to receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. Show up in my life like a mighty rushing wind. I can't control you like a wind or like a flame, but I want access to you. I want to run along where you're going, Holy Spirit begins with repentance. So it's fitting that we would go right to the communion table after a word like this. It's been said that Fairfield County is a power-hungry place. I want us to be hungry for this better power, this world-changing power of the Holy Spirit that comes like a mighty rushing wind. 
So let's repent, seek forgiveness by coming to the Lord's table. Amen.